Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. CR 855 AM 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon till one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander listeners tuning in from any land that, of the lands that make up this continent. And we especially acknowledge that this week during Reconciliation Week and of course we've had Sorry Day this week as well.
we look forward to a greater level of respect for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Well, it is a very diverse show today. Um, on the show later, I'll be catching up with Aaron about some research that he's doing on gender. But next Tuesday, as we go to air on the 2nd of June, is International Sex Workers Day. And it's really important that we hear from the voices of those with lived expertise and um, on the internet webs and on the wires and all that sort of thing, I have two very such people from the peer-based group, Vixen Collective, and it's great to have on the show, um, two people being um, Dylan and Peaches. Dylan, welcome. Hi, Sally. I use the pronoun she, her, if it's okay to ask, can I just check in with which pronouns you use, if any? Sure, so the, the right pronouns for me are they and them, thanks. And Peaches? Uh, my pronouns are she and her. Thank you very much. If you've um, got um, ways, if you want to get in touch with the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. I'll be monitoring um, as we broadcast. You can email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61456 751215. Tweet at Sal Gold said so. Remember, that's the bottom line. And you can look for the posts on Facebook, Sally Goldner and Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. And remember that any opinions on the program are my own personal opinions and not those of any organisation with which I am associated. But Peaches and Dylan, you're associated with Vixen Collective, perhaps. Um, people we sure are. <laughs> do awesome work. Um, perhaps it's worth starting by what um, just a brief overview of what Vixen Collective does and the various issues. Sure. In, I'll say broadly that um, sex workers may sure. face. Sure. Um, so I'll just start by introducing Vixen, just for anyone who isn't isn't familiar. So Vixen Collective is Victoria's recognised uh, peer only sex worker organisation. Um, we're a member of Scarlet Alliance which is the national, the national peak body for, for sex workers and sex worker organisations in Australia. And just for, for anybody who might not be so familiar with this aspect of things, when we talk about sex worker peer-only organisations or sex worker-only spaces or groups and things like that, we mean that in the case of Vixen, uh, so we're a peer-only organisation, everybody involved at every level, whether on our committee or members of community who participate, um, everyone is a current or former Victorian sex worker. Nobody is a, an ally, nobody is a manager or an owner of a brothel or a receptionist or a driver or uh, you know, anyone else with any kind of relationship or not to sex workers. It's only sex workers. Um, and so the other thing about the fun thing about Victoria or not so fun thing about Victoria is that Victoria um, has the, the dubious honour of being the only uh, of all the states and territories, the only place that does not have a funded peer sex worker organisation. So uh, Vixen runs as a, you know, really a, an immense labour of love. Um, it's the, you know, the unpaid volunteer time and energy of, um, you know, over, over many years of, of, uh, current and former Victorian sex workers. Yeah. Um, so that's us. Did you want to add anything to that, Peaches? Yeah. Um, well, I think that 
just about sums up um, the organisation. I think, you know, to give people some idea of the kind of work that we do, um, Vixen Collective does a lot of um, peer support and peer education. Um, we do a lot of community education as well. So for non-sex non workers doing training and that sort of thing, um, you know, we do media um, advocacy campaigning um, and we'll be talking a bit, a bit more in the show, I think, about some of the campaigning that we're doing at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, well, definitely we want to talk about that in a, a range of circumstances and, you know, totally affirming that to borrow the, um, I'll use the word slogan, from the disability movement, nothing about us without us. It's got to be absolutely we have the expertise and, you know, um, allies can be good if they are walking, to use the phrase, beside you, but they can't have that little bit, every little detail that you have been totally. through. And it is really important that we do yeah. that for any group in society. Absolutely. So, yeah, solidarity. Solidarity is fantastic um, and, you know, really essential and much appreciated. But, yeah, that's a really important principle. And, yeah, as you say, not only in sex worker organising and sex worker rights movement, but in other movements as well. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, so, Jim, did you want to, oh, sorry. Go ahead, yeah. Sally. I'm talking over your yeah. interview. Please, no, that's all right. Or <laughs> the, the, the um, hashtag working from home or something. Um, <laughs> uh, or radio from home, um, as we do. Um, we're, all get, we're still all there. Yeah, Peaches, dive in on, on, that, on that point that we were just talking about. On campaigns, yeah. So yeah. Um, I suppose at the moment, of course, everyone, you know, and on uh, on working from home, um, of course, sex workers are uh, struggling to deal with the impacts of uh, COVID nineteen. Um, so, like like many many people, uh, sex workers have have been put out of work. So we've faced a lot. Our um, our workplace is closing. Um, and um, and in-person sex work has, of course, been banned. Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose for a, for a lot of people, this has meant, you know, homelessness and housing instability. Um, people are unable to buy even basic items like food, unable to pay bills, uh, access medical services or get their prescriptions refilled. Um, and, of course, there's also the kind of, um, social and psychological impact of um, like loss of income and, and um, social distancing for people. Um, you know, obviously the government announced um, the job keeper and job seeker programs, which have been um, great to help a, a lot of people out. Um, but for a lot of sex workers, accessing those kinds of supports is, is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. um, it can be really hard to kind of prove your, prove your income um, to the government, um, a lot of people are very afraid of actually um, of of showing um, you know their financial records and things like that to the government. Some people don't have ID. Some people um, don't have a fixed address. That sort of thing. So what we're seeing is that a lot of people, um, you know, particularly the most marginalised in our community, um, are falling through the cracks there and aren't getting the kind of assistance that they need. Um, so, you know, Scarlet Alliance, um, in partnership with the member orgs in each, in each state, um, have put together the Chuffed Fundraiser, Sex Worker Relief Fund, yeah. um, which I think has raised, um, I, should have, I should have checked this before, but I think has raised probably about $70,000 now um, for I'm gonna, sex I'm workers. Gonna, I'm going to fact check that for you right now, Pitch. 
but every so every week that that fund um the money from that fund is dispersed um to to sex workers in need um and so far we've been able to help about 30 percent of applicants um but we need to you know we would love to help more people so definitely yep. if anyone is listening um if you can if you can check out the the chuffed link and um and donate some cash and if you don't have any money um you know a lot of us are struggling at the moment then if you can share it in your networks that'd be fantastic yeah. um you know um, the, i'm happy, I'm happy uh, sorry to, oh sorry peaches i won't interrupt you yeah <laughs> that's okay so yeah i mean at, the rest of the country has had a um you know has seen the return to work roadmap mm-hmm. um so people have, have some idea of when they'll, when they'll be getting back to work and earning money. Um, this hasn't been the case for sex workers. Yeah. Uh, so we haven't really been given any idea of when, when we're going to be able to go back to work. Um, so what we really want is for, for government to actually work in partnership with us on this to develop um, a plan for sex workers to return to work. Um, and to also remember that, you know, sex workers... Um, you know, have always been leaders in health and hygiene. Um, you know, we've seen from from sex workers' response to the um, to the AIDS crisis um, in the eighties, and sex workers were leaders um, in in finding ways to deal with that crisis. Um, and we've been leaders in in the COVID crisis as well. You know, well before a lot of these restrictions and things came in, sex workers were all already practicing. Um, increasing their hygiene and cleaning practices um, for their work. So uh, I think that we, we hope that the government can actually, um, yeah, trust our community and work with us um, on, a, on a return to work plan. Yeah. Dylan, so do you, do you have the, uh, it's a bit like a, it's not, uh, so, it was like a yes. telethon, but the up to the limited information. Honestly, it is a little bit like a telethon because as Peaches said, the number, the number goes back to, goes back to zero, you know, as every week, um, mm. Scarlet Alliance, along with, um, you know, representatives from all the member organisations work to get that, you know, the existing balance out to as many workers as possible. And then we have to race the whole next week to to get that number up again so it's it's raised uh since it started in total uh seventy four thousand uh eight hundred and seventy five dollars which is amazing um that is that is awesome huge um you know huge gratitude to everybody who has you know uh supported that and donated or promoted it and just to echo what peter said you know uh really no amount is too small and if you don't have money then that's okay too. We know it's, you know, a lot of people are doing it tough right now. Um, so it's about promoting it then. And, you know, even if it's, you know, what $1 is helpful. So absolutely, yeah. I'll, I'll just yeah. sort of add to the COVID stuff as well, just very yes. quickly. Um, sorry, Sally, that I think it's also just worth, worth emphasizing that we've now had these announcements this week in Victoria or, you know, over the past week or so mm. um, that, you know, a number of, of businesses that are actually in a lot of ways very comparable to sex work uh, mm-hmm. are being allowed to reopen very, very, very soon, you know, next week in many cases. And so I think to see, you know, it, it being possible to do, you know, do kind of beauty services that are often quite intimate, um, yep. depending yep. on what you're having done, um, that that's possible and that it's possible for the government to put in guidelines for that to be done safely and for appropriate kind of adaptions to be made to make that, you know, safe for workers and for, you know, everybody else. 
um, if that's possible in those kinds of um, workplaces and mm -hmm. that kind of work and business, it's possible for sex work too. Um, so, you know, this is, um, you know, this is us saying, as you know, we've already been communicating to government that we really need to see action on this. And we need to see this, as Peach said, happening in partnership with, yeah. uh, with the Victorian sex worker community. Because that's the other thing, that really proud history of, um, you know, as, as Peach put it really well, of really leadership um, in, in public health, in hygiene, in responses to these kinds of crises. Um, the, the sort of the sad thing compared to now is that in the past, a lot of that has happened in partnership with government. There's a really strong history of that happening successfully in partnership with government. And so we need to see that happening now as well. Um, yeah. And we'll be, you know, we'll be continuing to, continuing to push for that because at the moment, um, you know, people don't know what's going to happen. And of course, whatever plan is put in place, it also needs to be non-discriminatory. It needs to be equitable and it needs to be evidence-based. It can't be grounded in any kind of desire to other sex workers and treat them differently in a way that's, you know, that's unnecessary and not evidence-based. Yep. So I think that's really important. Yeah, hashtag sex work is real work um, for yeah. sure. And I just want to give, I'll say the link and also put it in the links under on the social media. I'm promoting today's program and to the podcast description. Um, Chuff.org project forward slash emergency um, dash support um, dash sex workers Australia. But I think if you put Chuffed and emergency support sex workers into your search engine, I have no doubt it will come up. But you hit really good points there. Hit really good points. I mean, you know, I was able to get myotherapy, a form of similar to massage as an essential service. That's person-to-person -person contact. I, my eyebrows, which look like my look like a bad front lawn, are going to get some round servicing in the next week, thankfully, and all that sort of thing. <laughs> so, as you say, that's all in person. And why then can't you know can't we work out a way of doing sex work? Well, we can. And of course, as you say, you're you're the experts. You have that to use that phrase, lived expertise. And you know, you're mm. quite rightly, it's also worth mentioning that, of course, sex workers have one of the lowest rates of STI in the population. Um, despite all the myths that would say otherwise. So you've hit Absolutely. really good points. Absolutely. Yep. And so, you know, we don't want to see a continuation of the trend that, you know, we're concerned is being put in place, flowing down from a federal level where sex work's been excluded, um, you know, from, from the roadmap um, in terms of return to the COVID return to work and easing of restrictions. We don't, yeah, we don't want to see a continuation of sex work being treated in a way that really just reflects, as you say, you know, stigma and myths around sex workers as essentially vectors of disease um, and things that we just, we know, we know those myths are damaging, deeply damaging and dangerous to our community, but we also know they're entirely false, as you say, they're not grounded in evidence. We're talking about a pandemic, right? So, or I guess within Australia, maybe it's an epidemic. So we, uh, we should be talking about evidence. Responses should be evidence-based, I would have thought. Absolutely. Well, we need that more than ever. And we've got other partnerships going. Goodness me, we've got Christian Porter and Sally McManus working together. <laughs> if that, if, if well, that can happen, <laughs> is it so hard for government and sex workers to just communicate as um, respectfully and equally? So, you, you know, you raised a lot of issues in everything you've said. And of course, there'll be different degrees of marginalisation for different sorts of workers. And I mean, one thing, there was a great post, um, it's, there's a parallel here, Sarah Ward, well-known um, performer in Melbourne who does Yana Alana and other characters, 
posted on her timeline about how trying to do things online just cannot have the same effect. Now, and that's as a performer, and I can understand that when you're sort of pouring your heart out on something and it goes down the drain. Now, obviously, physical touch is a possible, is, you know, um, we'll say a significant, if not a you know, huge factor in um, sex work. It's not really like you've got those opportunities to do it online, even if it's less effective, you know. Um, I imagine there's not a lot you can do in these times. Um, you know, has there I been mean, any um, attempts at sort of innovating in a way? Yeah, I mean, uh, and Peaches, maybe feel free to jump in on this as well, but I, I, you know, absolutely, I think lots of sex workers have been doing lots of things to, you know, people who were previously doing in-person sex work um, have, you know, uh, I think that's kind of loops back to what Peaches was actually saying a little while ago about responding really proactively to COVID-19 before restrictions or firm directions were even put in place. Sex workers, of course, were trying to find ways to, you know, um, do appropriate not just to safely do in-person work when that was when that was possible, but also to yeah to find other kind of more physically or socially distanced alternatives. Um, so I think I think workers have been doing that. But yeah, I mean the issue is that people, you know, I think a lot of people in Victoria and Australia more broadly um, are now they you know people need to get back to work where it's possible and safe to do so, and sex workers are no different in that regard. So yeah, um, Peaches, do you want to add add on to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's also worth noting that, um, you know, online work actually isn't a viable option for a lot of workers. Um, so it's kind of, yeah. it can be quite difficult to do, uh, say if you have, um, if you're in a small share house, uh, mm. you know, it's sort of a private thing that you don't really necessarily want um, friends and family around for. Um, and, and particularly, you know, massive privacy issues there for workers who aren't out. Um, I think uh, also it can be um, very difficult to actually make money um, doing online work. And the people who do make good money out of it, you know, I mean, these are people who've been working at it for a really long time. Um, you know, they have whole social media strategies and that sort of thing. Mm. People just assume that you can sort of start, um, you know, camming and making porn and all this sort of thing. And you just, you know, you make big bucks and it's just a completely well, it's it's yeah. a completely different game to in-person work. It's that um, and also it's the phobia, isn't it, really? I mean, it's yeah. that phobia, yeah. again, of not viewing sex work as skilled work. All sex work is skilled work. Yeah. There are, you yeah. know, there are overlapping but often quite distinct skills depending on what kind of work mm. you're doing and how you're doing it and where you're doing it and so on. And so, yeah, it's... Um, and also, of course, um, it's very hard to make money doing that if, if you know, everybody and their, you know, and their five friends have all just had to start doing online work at the same time, right? You can imagine the influx. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a small enough market, we'll say, in more usual times and even in, I'll say, good economic usual times. Um, it's, you know, very much tighter in these times. I want to come back to this issue of how we how to, you know, get sex in-person sex work going again. Uh, can you drop a couple of, I'll say, a couple of hints if you... Um, no, don't pretend I'm the government. That's really unfair. But if you no, were to... That to you, Sally. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. If you had the year of the National Cabinet and on the assumption they were listening to you with respect and equality, what would be a couple of things you'd say as to how to overcome, I will use the phrase, the phrase perceived issues of reopening work in these times? You know, that might sure. be... Sure. I mean, I guess, I guess what I would say is I think we can speak to kind of the, the broad principles here is probably the most just uh, useful thing and maybe, yeah, maybe can say more in future, hopefully. But um, I think 
uh, I would say, at, you know, and obviously this is this is complex because we're talking at a federal and a state and territory level, yeah. right? Because there's multiple kind of different things going on here, and of course, um, sex work is, you know, uh, sex work is regulated at jurisdictional level um, in the states and territories. But I guess, the, yeah, it's a, I guess just to echo really what what both of us have already said that I think the thing to think about is what is being done for comparable workplaces. Um, so again, I think in, yeah, I think it's what is being done for workplaces that face some of the same or many or most or all of the same issues um, where people are having to come into close physical proximity. So, you know, providing a, a relaxation, you know, it's going to be allowed soon in Victoria to go and get or to provide a relaxation, a non-remedial but also non-sexual relaxation massage. Yep. So if there are things that can be put in place to make that. Um, you know, safe in terms of, um, the, you know, COVID-19, then of course it's possible to do that sex work. So I get, again, it's those principles around equity um, and being evidence-based. Um, and, and I'd say really, again, centrally being, you know, being peer-led, handing it over to, to where the expertise is, which is in community and inviting sex workers and their, you know, their representative bodies to the table um, on even footing with government to actually, you know, to make this work for everybody. Um, so it's really about it's really about the government being being will willing to actually do that. Um, we're we're here. Yeah, we're ready. Um, so it's you know they it's it's the government needs to uh, work with sex worker community. For sure. Now there's a couple of other there's a couple of other things to talk about. I mean, um, one of which is. A few months back, it was announced that there was going to be an inquiry much needed into Victoria's laws around sex work. And now, obviously, a lot of things have hit, been hit on pause button um, in this time. But um, how is that going? What's the, is there any latest news on that and how it's going? Look, it's still going. Um, I think, of course, um, as you say, uh, lots of things have been, you know, in, in many different parts of all of our lives, I'm sure, have been kind of... of um, a little bit uh, derailed to put it, you know, probably to put it mildly um, due to, you know, the um, truly, truly bizarre times we find ourselves living in at the moment, but um, it's still, it's still going. The review process is continuing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess from, from our perspective, um, I, I if we go way back, it now feels like a uh, hundred million years ago, but to the mm. end of 2019, when the review was first announced um, for us, and we said this in media, we, you know, Vixen said this in media that we did at the time, that it's really exciting, a really exciting, but also potentially really risky time because there hasn't been a change to the laws in Victoria for a very long time. And what we know is that you, you want to get it right when you do it. You yeah. know, this is, this is the time and because the laws in Victoria are so bad and for anyone kind of listening at home who, you know, cause they're, they're very complicated, honestly. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, even we have to be referring to things quite often to stay on top of them because it's just unreasonably complex in Victoria. But yeah, for anyone listening at home who isn't clear, sex work in Victoria is regulated via a, a licensing system, which means it's basically an effective two tiered industry. It creates a, a compliant, quote-unquote compliant part of the industry where people are, where, you know, work is happening within these extremely exacting and often very difficult to, um, you know, intrusive and invasive and discriminatory and difficult to comply with um, regulations and, and, and laws. 
um, and then a, you know, a, the sort of other tier of a, of a non-compliant part of the industry. Um, and sometimes people call that, obviously it's a slightly unfortunate term, but people sometimes refer to it as backdoor criminalization. Um, so not, not, yeah, maybe not ideal, but so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, sorry, not to, you know, not to lower the tone. I just always, every time I hear that, I'm like, mm, that, can we put that a different way? But anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, what that means is that, yeah, there's, there are, so for example, street-based sex work is, is entirely criminalized in Victoria. Um, and then there are, yeah, there are these, um, you know, stacks of extremely um, complex and, uh, you know, unnecessary laws um, governing private sex work and um, brothel-based sex work and so on. And so, uh, way, you know, going back to 2018 now, um, you know, Vixen was, Vixen Collective was very excited and this is something we'd worked on for a really long time when the Victorian Labour Party put the, you know, the, the, decrim the full decriminalisation of, um, of, uh, of all forms of sex work in Victoria onto their onto their policy platform, um, and so we were similarly glad to see that the review made it really clear in the in the terms of reference or, or press release that went out and and is now you know has now formed the, the the terms of reference that it makes it very clear that this is not actually a review into should sex work be decriminalised in Victoria. It's a review into how oh, will good. be implemented. Uh, sorry, how will sex work be implemented? How will the decriminalisation of sex work be implemented um, in Victoria? And so um, I guess our focus at the moment is to ensure that that remains the case. We want the focus of the review to stay on track. Decriminalisation isn't actually a, it's not a subjective or nebulous term. You know, it's, um, it's complicated to talk at a sort of nuts and bolts legislative level about what are all the different pieces that have to be pulled back and so on in Victoria because the existing laws are such a mess. But actually as a concept, the full decriminalization of sex work is really simple. It's just the removal of all criminal laws, um, you know, relating to sex work. Sex work is then regulated like other kinds of work. So yeah. it's not, and then we add 50 new laws. It's not special laws for sex workers about, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and it's sometimes confusing for people outside of sex worker spaces or without that experience, oh, maybe yeah. because legalization and decriminalization get used, I think, swapped around in different ways and different kinds of conversations about different kinds of law reform. But for sex work, you know, decriminalization, the full decriminalization of sex work is the is the best practice model that is supported by, you know, sex worker organizations in Australia internationally and many other organizations as well. So for example, World Health Organization, UNAIDS. Amnesty International, um, what are some more pictures? A whole lot of them. Uh, Amnesty, yeah, a lot of them. World <laughs> it's Health just a lot. Organization. It's a lot. It's a really, yeah. yeah, it's a long list. It's a long list. Um, and so mm -hmm. um, our, you know, our goal all the way through has been, you know, we want, we want what it says on the tin in terms of what we want out of this review. We want the full decriminalisation of sex work in Victoria. Um, that needs to be for all sex workers, for everyone, it's not excluding anybody. It's not having any of the same problems that, you know, uh, exist, uh, you know. So, for example, we, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, it's, it's basically making sure it's for everybody. Uh, we all go over the line together. And so our goal at the moment with the review is we're just going to keep working to ensure that that focus stays on track. And the other thing is that uh, 
and this is another actual little promoing something really a little bit Sally using using yeah. uh, using this to do that a lot um, is that it's it's you know sex workers Victorian sex workers are the you know they are the the primary and most important stakeholders in this process and so there is space in this review for um, Victorian the Victorian sex worker community to feed into that process and really have their voices be heard and the way that that's happening is that we are Vixen Collective um, in, you know, in collaboration with Scarlet Alliance, um, are running uh, consultation sessions with community. They're going to be happening over the next couple of weeks. I think the first one will be in about a week's time. Um, and so if, if you're listening to this and you're a Victorian um, current or former sex worker, um, you know, please, uh, you know, follow our, follow our Facebook page. I think uh, we'll make sure that you've got the most recent link to our, our public facing Facebook uh, page, Sally, as well. So follow yeah. our social media, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, and in, I guess, in peer spaces, we will be promoting those, I guess, the most heavily and contact us directly, um, you know, via, via our email or contact Scarlet Alliance as well. Um, yeah. If you're a speaker and you want information about how to participate in that, because your voices are the most important voices in this process. All right. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, the thing that was touched on earlier, and you've sort of just touched on about there has been some, you know, has been good support from large organisations such as Amnesty for Decrim. The question there is, what what role can allies play that would be helpful to you, and perhaps what not what 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 are things to avoid to, um, to be good a good ally? So, what can people do and not do to be good allies in this um, for all aspects of, that we're discussing, both um, in terms of the COVID and the law reform and everything else? I'll hand that one to you, Peaches, if that's all right. Um, yeah, well, I, I think it's really important with this sort of thing to know um, to know when it's your place to speak and when it's not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if you are not, a, you know, if you are not a Victorian sex worker, um, you know, and, and you are asked to comment on these things, is to maybe actually contact Vixen Collective um, and either, you know, and, and have a chat to us about it first. Um, and uh, don't make assumptions about about um, what's best for our community because, you know, as you said earlier, Sally, nothing about us without us um, is, um, is really what it's all about. So um, I think, yeah, if everyone can just, uh, you know, if people can ensure that they're... It's not to say don't speak up because it's really important that everyone... Um, that everyone speaks out um, in support of the full decriminalisation of sex work in Victoria. Um, but, you know, obviously just do your research first, chat to your community first, um, and that's probably, that's probably a really great way to help us and, yeah. and I suppose not um, accidentally get in the way in the process of trying to help, which is, you know, yeah, a lot of people, yeah. you know, their heart's in the right place and they do really, really genuinely want to help. And often it's just, you know, silly silly mistakes and stuff so yeah for sure Yeah, and I guess like I would add to that as well um I completely agree with all of that and I think I, I think it, it can be useful as well to maybe for people to just take a moment you know especially um you know I'm just thinking as well um you know as as you know queer and trans and gender diverse people in particular and you know uh perhaps also other other marginalized identities you know we all have experiences of people speaking for us or thinking they know more than us 
um, or or not even realizing how much they don't know about us. And, you know, that, that kind of classic problem of, you know, um, just not being totally across things and so not realizing that there are gaps and that it's not appropriate. And so just to think maybe of experiences that, you know, to, for people to take a moment and think of experiences they've had, positive or less positive, um, where people have either provided, you know, solidarity and been a good ally in a way that felt good versus maybe if you've had experiences of the not you know the not so ideal version of that and you know and how that felt and what it was that didn't didn't work um and then you know try to try to kind of um i guess you know implement that um in your you know in your support of sex workers because we do want you know if we're directing this to people who who are not sex workers from we 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 want and and desperately need your support as peach has said it's about you know it's about supporting and you know um you know amplifying the the voices of sex workers themselves rather than speaking for sex workers absolutely yeah it could say research educate ask listen make it real could be the go um for sure yeah i mean i i i know this is i think this actually comes from some kind of horrible um business thing but something i've been trying to do recently myself in some other spaces that i'm in and sort of wearing slightly a different hat to my vixen hat sometimes is that principle of, you know, especially if you're in a group that, you know, the, the, the weight acronym, the, you know, why am I talking, you know, mm -hmm. to just stop for a moment and think, do I actually need to say anything now? Um, I can tell you that I frequently ask myself that and find that the answer is that I'm not talking for any good reason. Um, and should probably <laughs> um, as you can probably hear from, from this interview, that might be more of an issue for me than for some other people because I talk a lot, but uh, I think that's a really useful principle, though, in all seriousness. Um, yeah, just as you say, just that it's, it's listening, it's doing some education, um, and I guess being sort of brave and humble enough to do that. Yep. Yeah, humble's the good word. The very last thing I want to discuss, because we're just about um, running out of time, is um, that there was a specific reason for wanting you to come on the show this week, um, Dylan and Peaches, and that is, of course, 2nd of June, um, next Tuesday as we go to air live, is International um, Sex Worker Day. Just tell us a bit about that day and how people can support um, that day broadly or specifically any way, really, that you think will work. Yeah, so um, uh, International Sex Workers Day or International Whores Day for those of us in community um, is um, celebrated on the 2nd of June um, every year and it commemorates um, an event in 1975 um, in Lyon in France um, where a group of sex workers actually occupied a church um, demanding um, demanding rights and an end to um, violence and discrimination against them. And that's um, often kind of seen as one of the, um, the I suppose, big turning points and the kind of birth of the modern um, sex worker rights movement. Um, and so every year around the world, uh, sex workers come together to, to celebrate, um, I suppose, how we've come and where we have to, you know, how far we have to go uh, and I suppose also to kind of um, yeah just uh, be together in in solid in solidarity yeah looks like we've had a technical hitch there with peaches um, yes in solidarity absolutely yeah peaches are you still with us maybe not okay um, but yes what peaches said <laughs> was a very that yeah, was a sorry. very good summary. 
the joys of the internet, you're you're back in there. Yeah, so solidarity looks yeah. so important. Uh, you know, the broad principles are the same for anyone. You know, if you can't identify with the group, as you said, wait. Um, I think I'm going to. I think I've. Um, I'll have to pay you copyright for that. Um, look, better leave it there. Peaches and um, Dylan, thank you so much for being on the show because I know you. I'll just say for now, you've had a flat out week on which we oh. might have to get you both back in in a, in a future edition of the show because there's lots going on but to all the sex to all the sex workers who do amazing work who shift energies who heal people who provide support and comfort in many ways to lots of people we give you um our vibes in that back at this difficult time where um and you know um you know, please, um, you know, hang in there. Um, once again, um, that, um, you know, look for that chuffed emergency support for sex workers in Australia. I'll pop the link under, but better leave it there. Look, thank you so much for your time on the show today on Out of the Pan. Thank you so much, Sally. Lovely to speak Thanks to you. Thanks for having us, Sally. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Sally. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical community-owned media during our June Station Appeal. We'll be taking donations online to help keep the station going for another year. Like so many community organisations, we're feeling the impact of COVID-19 restrictions, and we know you are too. But independent community media is more important than ever, and we hope you can show your support with a donation. The 3CR Station Appeal starts on Monday the 1st of June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. 3CR, here to stay. I will hit record and we're recording. 3CR, 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally. Thanks once again for your company. Well, a packed program today. Um, lots of guests on and I have another one joining me. Well, um, look forward to when I'm back in the studio, but um, joining me on whichever line today by whatever means of technology is Aaron Howarth. Um, Aaron, um, thanks for being on Out of the Pan. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Sally. And once again, um, because we haven't met in a sense, before, so to speak, I use the pronoun oh. she, her, just wanting to check in and respect your sense of gender uh, with which pronouns you may use, if any. Oh, yeah, I use he, him. Thanks, Ellie. Cool. Um, always good to respect people's gender and make sure everyone's gender is respected equally. And that is a ideal lead-in to um, what we wanted to talk about because you're doing some research with aspects about gender. Um, you know, sort of give us a bit of an overview of what it's about. Yes, I am, Sally. Um, look, what I'm doing is I'm currently studying psychology as my fourth year project, and I'm hoping to map the gender hierarchy in Australia, which is, as many people may know, is a, a theoretical construct where certain genders have more power and influence in society. But I'm specifically trying to include the trans and non-binary communities as individual gender groups and then see if that impacts on experience of discrimination and also self-esteem. Well, look, I think that, um, yeah, we, you know, in terms of um, mapping, I think this, yeah, the thing is, of course, we've probably got a fair anecdotal idea, but I'm, 
probably not aware of much, will say that's done to try and research and put doc, my term, documentation behind this, um, which is first of all really important that we do get an idea of how much the extent of it happens. And the other thing is, was there anything in particular that made you say, hmm, this could be the idea for a fourth year psychology project? Was there a moment that came to you? Well, well I, you know, as a gay man, I wanted to do something in the, in the queer space. But uh, as I was given the option of doing a topic within the gender space and looking at the gender hierarchy, I noticed that, you know, the, the transgender community and the non-binary community aren't even considered in anything that I read about that. And as you mentioned, I couldn't find anyone actually trying to construct a hierarchy to say, here you go, this is my evidence that it exists. So, yeah, I guess I wanted to contribute to our communities in some way. And as, you know, a, a white, middle-aged gay man, I have a fair bit of privilege. So I, I probably, uh, our area of that is is the most strongly supported. So I wanted to move away from that to somewhere else in the queer space. Well, first of all, there's a few things out of that too. Thank you for recognising that. We, we do need that. I mean, you know, there is, I think, in abstract and anecdotally, there is that recognition of what you've what you just said, and you know, not it can take, I think, some degree of humility and courage to acknowledge that and say, okay, we're in a reasonable place. And many people probably then, after my words, there say, yes, we've up marriage equality, which was a big goal, mm -hmm. but some groups are further behind. And the second thing is, you're quite right. So much gender stuff is still seen in terms of, and I'll use our language here, cisgender heterosexual men and cisgender heterosexual women, oh, there are other genders, you know. Um, so not that heterosexuality, of course, is about gender. So um, um, once we, we need to break it down and look at it, and there's all sorts of possibilities going on. So really great that you are using that sense of privilege to bring, you know, give people, I use the phrase, put a battery cable in, so to speak, and give people a charge. So... Yeah. Um, it is really, really important that we do this. So um, what sort of, you know, sort of obviously as a researcher, um, you've got to stay objective and keep an open mind, but um, what sort of, you know, general concepts, let's say, are you, are you exploring in the research? And to some extent, um, again, while keeping an open mind, what do you think you might find in all of this? Well, I think, uh, you know, I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't, um, automatically assume what the gender hierarchy is in cisgender terms. So mm. I imagine that we're going to find the hierarchy sits probably with um, cisgender men, then women, and then the three trans communities that I'm looking at, specifically being trans women, trans men, and then a bit of an umbrella of non-binary. Um, the, the nuance between the trans communities, I'm not sure how that will go, um, but we'll, mm. we'll see how that uh, pans out. <laughs> um, and yeah, also the experience of discrimination uh, across all genders we're interested in, but I think it'll be most valuable within the trans, tra uh, transgender and non-binary communities and how that links across to self-esteem. Well, yeah, it can look, um, you know, um, there are all sorts of issues going on there. I mean, um, and how it interplays, um, you, know, you know, the various, I don't think we're going, if I, I can, I'll, we'll have dueling puns, I'll throw them back at you. I don't think we're going to have binary answers here. I think there could be all sorts <laughs> of um, interplays across, you know, cis men, cis women, um, et cetera, oh, and how it works out. I mean, 
Um, sometimes, for example, the invisibility that trans men face can be an issue. But on the other hand, there are, is some privilege um, identifying as being a male if you are um, not through choice in any way, but you are sort of in stealth or passing and seen as a male and no one knows you're trans. There can be issues there too. So it could be very, very intriguing. Yes, very much so. And that's, you know, that's something that's coming up that a lot of uh, the, the comments where people are, are leaving comments at the end of the survey, there's, they're making the point of saying, you know, I don't experience discrimination as much as somebody who doesn't pass as well as I do, yeah. which is, you know, a very interesting topic. And, you know, it's, that's a whole wormhole to go down in a whole separate uh, research project. Well, yeah, the, the whole gender expression issue, you know, if you can, um, in big, 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 big inverted commas, rabbit ears, blend in as a mm. society's expectation of a gender expression, male or female, um, it does, you know, can to some extent make life easier. You know, of course, it's not, it's not clear cut one way or the other, but, um, you know, society loves to damn well put us into the gender boxes and, you know, oh, quite a few labels. Yes, what is it? Labels are, thing for, are things for washing machines or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, um, this 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 has a huge amount of potential um, for so many things. Um, you know, sort of, um, you know, um, you know, sort of visualise forward a bit. I'm just thinking, you know, what are the sort of things that you might think the results of this research could do for both queer and broader communities? Well, I'm hoping that uh, in terms of the queer communities and obviously particularly the trans communities, I'm hoping that it gives us the ability to say, here, this is, this is the evidence that, you know, it's, it's not as easy for us to go out there and, and, and get what it is that everybody else, like in mainstream society, can. And, uh, and when we say that, we're saying the vast majority of society has this. And, and you know, I mean, we're talking about privilege here, aren't we? Mm. So it's sort of uh, an evidence base for privilege as well. Um, you know, I would love to have actually looked into the differences between the, the queer and the non-queer communities as well, but unfortunately I do have a word count, so I uh, mm. <laughs> am limited on that one. Yeah. Oh, look, there says there's mountains of, of things to, to consider, which does lead mm. to a question that I had in mind, and that is who is, for lack of a better word, I'll say eligible to participate in the research um, in terms of, say, where you live and your sense of gender identity? Uh, of any in, sort. Yeah, in this particular survey, it's at any gender, so it's any Australian adult. Um, we have to be a resident of Australia because it's the Australian gender hierarchy that I'm trying to map. There'll be you know, nuances from different cultures if we move anywhere else. So I want to map culture here in Australia or the hierarchy here in Australia. And uh, obviously, there were ethics issues involved with children, so 18 and above. Okay, so um, 18 and above, resident in Australia, but um, say any person with a cis, trans, gender diverse, non-binary um, non and male, female, um, any sense of gender identity, including none at all, maybe. Yes, indeed, asexual and, um, and agender are, you know, uh, interested, uh, people that we're interested in also. Yep, so let's, the full gamut, it'll be interesting to see how people, um, I imagine you'll have the uh, proverbial, the data set up to imagine the perceptions across, which I think is another layer to the tapestry here, you know, how certain you know, genders see other genders perhaps as well as their own. Very much so. So one of the comparisons that I am hoping to do, if I can work out the statistics behind it, is to see um, 
the relationships between how we see our own gender and how those higher within the hierarchy see our own gender and how they interact. Yep, be very, very interesting to see. I mean, and in terms of this, yes, I, I, I'm totally, totally with you on the 18 plus and the Australian based, but I mean, it would be a good starting point and then who knows maybe there's a chance for international collaborations with other unis down the track or maybe someone else in another country might want to do a similar sort of survey and then we could start getting comparisons going there's um the possibilities here are, are, are pretty much infinite like there are genders i suppose oh very much so and you know i know i would love to be the the seed that 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 you know that growth begins from there's a my ego would definitely love that. <laughs> well, your ego and your conscience, I think, I think, you know, there's huge value in this work. I mean, you know, I was thinking, you know, that this would have great play for gender equity policy at a government level, it would have great influence or, you know, government that is local, state, federal, all that sort of thing, uh, all sorts of policy implications coming in there. So this has, um, you know, this has, you know, as I say, massive, massive um, amounts that we could achieve. Um, anything Indeed. else that comes to mind about the research, um, perhaps um, from any aspects, first of all, um, in terms of um, process and anything you want to add in there that um, you think um, we, our listeners and potential participants need to know about? Oh, no, just I, um, I, you know, I sort of think of myself uh, as a relatively well-versed person of the world and especially uh, not so much in the queer community because I only came out relatively recently. But uh, I'm fascinated by the, the elements of gender that some of my participants are commenting about that I just had never considered, you know, and it's, it's a great eye-opening experience for me. And having had a few conversations with a, a few gender non-conforming people during the process, I, um, I, I personally identify as a cisgender male. Uh, I guess, as a core part of my identity. But the more I think about it, the more logically I believe that there's not necessarily um, just that solely male and masculine or solely male and feminine. Mm. And there's probably elements of me that are quite feminine. So I, I can see that I'm melding into the world of non-binary there. And you know, in a way, which is a, a good place to be, I, my personal theory is if we access all our skills, regardless of how a binary society classifies them as masculine or feminine in inverted commas for those two words. Um, you know, and we just use all our skills in whatever combination we have them. You know, imagine if all seven billion of us did that and didn't feel restricted and use them to quote one of the great philosophers of our time, Batman, for good and not evil purposes, um, it would be huge. And so in a way it's um, you know, already bringing out something in you I'm curious if I may very ask about so. one thing you mentioned, you've only come out very recently. Was it mm. studying psychology that maybe um, was a part of that? And you know, was there an intertwining? Uh, I had started my studies, but I think I was on the pro progress to uh, coming out. But I, uh, while still being closeted, had sort of finally started dating and I met my partner who uh, we're pleasantly engaged now. So okay. I, I uh, came out in inverted commas i'm pretty sure everybody knew that i was gay regardless but uh, <laughs> i came out at that point fair enough yeah well look and congratulations on the engagement and may um the, the future be happy on that front which leads oh, um but to the last critical point 
if people want to uh, undertake this research, and I'll naturally put lots of links under our Facebook post and uh, the pod in the podcast um, description for today, but um, for now, uh, let's start getting it out there. Um, where do people um, go? What's the quickest way to find the link? I mean, to get it. The easiest way is, yeah, I have a, a Facebook page and an Instagram page set up. So if uh, if your listeners were able to search on those platforms for gender hierarchy research, they'll find my uh, gender metronome, a big yellow picture that will uh, have a link to the survey there. That's that's really simple. Rather than trying to type out Monash.uni or whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also they can, of course, get in touch with me and... I will just um, perhaps um, get you to, um, we'll also get your um, various social media handles to put into the various um, links for the podcast as well. And that way people can click directly and all these sorts of things. Um, look, this is awesome. And of course, um, you know, um, it sounds like you're, um, you're already getting um, quickly a fair number of participants, which is exciting as well. Yeah, I do. I have quite a lot, although I'm still uh, trying to get enough numbers in trans women and men to to make my statistical analyses valid or and particularly useful. So any uh, trans binary folk out there that would like to take the survey, I greatly appreciate it. There's an interesting thing um, that we need. Um, that, um, that they're the groups that are needed. Um, okay, well, all welcome, but definitely trans women and men, um, please get in there and do that. I think this has huge potential myself. So um, really, um, you know, go ahead and do it. Um, and yeah, look, we'll keep in touch on how it's going. And um, whenever it happens, love to have you back on the show to um, discuss the findings whenever we get to that point. Oh, that would be wonderful, Sally. Well, thank you very much for having me today. Look, an absolute pleasure. Anything that, um, as we like to use a hashtag on this show, hashtag binary busters, um, that can um, break those binaries and get some gender equality. It's got to be a good thing. So really appreciate the research and thanks very much for your time. Thanks again, Sally. Bye-bye. Aaron Howarth on Out of the Pan on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. What a packed program it has been today. Thanks to our guests Dylan and Peaches from Vixen Collective to honour um, Sex Workers Day and all issues surrounding it on um, the 2nd of June. And uh, perhaps you can put on your social media that I'm an ally, I listen to past and present sex workers for their lived expertise or something like that if you are an ally. And to all sex workers out there, I hope it is the best day it can be in the circumstances at the moment. And I look forward to your being able to work equally very soon. The music track on the show today, appropriately enough, was Working for a Living by Huey Lewis and the News because sex work is real work. Thanks to Aaron Howarth for um, talking about the gender research. Really good that we start looking at this. Hasn't, as Aaron said, hasn't been a lot of comprehensive and inclusive mapping of this issue, although anecdotally, of course, we know very much it is there. And the message we heard in between the interviews, so important. Normally at this time of the year, we'd be at 3CR, we would be zooming into um, Radiothon season. 
but of course at this time of year we can't this time of this year 2020 2020 we can't do it so we are looking for an appeal if you do have some money any amount just to you know keep us rolling until we can do a full radiothon we'd hugely hugely humongously hugely appreciate that massively massively and massively it is so important we want to keep broadcasting and also we will be getting some shows soon back to live broadcasting which i admit i'm looking forward to as well but um, as gradually things re-establish i'm looking forward to this week to having eyebrows that don't look like a forest but look like a manicured lawn as well um, hashtag first world problems or something so very much everyone thank you for tuning in to out of the pan i'm sally goldner Catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.